0: minds podcast this is franz bowen this is Tribe weeks yes sir and with another installment of the driven minds podcast and today we have another special guest in the building uh, resident storyteller of new york city american playwright mr cyrus aaron what's the word yo
1: dope 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 man um super happy to have you on brother um, blessed to be here indeed indeed we've been um i think recently focused on like especially i think the last one with um with daniel Cal- calderon Talking about this expressive arts, how people are expressing themselves through different mediums. so it's dope to speak to a poet, actor, a writer and whatnot, and just see where that source of creativity comes from, mm. to inspire our audience, and just you know just to take us back if you can, take us back to your background, um, where you're from, how you got started in this space, and yeah to start from there ASL. It's a joke from, a a pre-podcast joke. We'll get into that later. Inside. We'll catch y'all up. (laughs) Uh,
2: So from Chicago, uh, south side of the city, born and raised, uh, went to college at Michigan State University. Shout out to all the Spartan dogs. Uh, Been in New York now for, do the math, carry the one, (laughs) eight years, uh, officially this month. So eight years here, seven in Brooklyn. Um, Shout out to Brooklyn. Spent one year in Harlem prefer Brooklyn, had to, so had to switch up. Had to go
1: back. That's what I'm talking about. Had to switch go back. Ways. It's no, the oxtail gravy, y'all. Don't get me in the stuff. style. It is. <laughs> it
2: is the oxtail. Um, <laughs> and so, always been a writer, uh, storyteller. Like that's my, you know, that's my conviction. Like writing is my purpose. So it's more than just talent for me. Uh, so I moved to New York with the uh, commitment in mind to build as a writer. Uh, Realized that I couldn't pay my rent on the open mic and slam circuit. And it was like, yo, this 20 bucks is not going to pay for this studio. So Mm -hmm. I had to get a job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did corporate for like five years in hospitality and dining. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 2015, September 2015, made the leap. And I've been an independent artist now for three years. Congratulations. Soon to be three years. Major. Major. Definitely. Get the man off my back. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Indeed. That's a... We all fighting for our freedom out. Yo. Here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Thanks. let's let's take it a little back to like, you know, the south side of Chicago, man. And um, you know, just even especially as black men, right? Like, we don't potentially we don't really get um encouraged to really express ourselves mm. in an artistic fashion like that. And somebody like you understanding that writing was your purpose, um, at such a young age, who who instilled that in you and what um what did the south, south, south side of Chicago, how did that contribute to that as well?
2: Mm. Um, So I really began writing my junior year in high school. And so uh, my English teacher, uh, Mrs. Stepinski, shout out to Mrs. Sure. Mrs. Stepinski. It's always
1: that dope teacher it's, that won.
2: It's always one. Yeah. She was like, you need to write for uh, the school paper. And yeah. I was an athlete uh, prior to then, so I hooped. Uh, ran track and so sports was it like when the college counselors would come in and say what are you gonna do and i be like basketball Track fill it in like I'm done. Gotcha. And then I would put like computer engineering just to like add a third option Just to round it out. Right. <laughs> right. Just thinking like well, you got to have something off the quarter field um, yeah. And so I was like alright a few English teachers prior to you were encouraging me encouraging me as well Like you should you know do something with your writing pursue journalism give it a shot and so I joined the paper, and that first year I ended up writing like 60-something articles. Wow. I, was, I was just like on fire. I was writing music, music editorials, uh, current news, politics, like just was heated up, just like submitting, 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 submitting. Wow. And then I was like, okay, this is where it can go. And I had a choice of either going to um, nowhere in Kansas or um, in the boonies somewhere in uh, Wisconsin and hooping like D3 or go get a real education, uh, get a solid four year degree at Michigan State. Mm -hmm. And so I chose to pursue journalism. Um, There are no writers in my family. So Mm -hmm. where it came from, I can't tell you, you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. I'm the only one that has pursued uh, this specific career and expressing myself um, and being a voice with words. Mm -hmm. Um, But the South side is very particular because it's, I say Chicago is not for everybody because you have to have tough skin and it shows you the humanity of people very early on. And so you see struggle, you see the speed of an urban city, um, you see all the areas of abandonment, like it's it's a real city where you get to see real stories, real people. And I think that influences a certain level of maturity that a lot of people from Chicago mm-hmm. um, have at a very early very age. Very young age. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, So
1: I'm looking at like that had to have, because a lot of your, your, your art, your writing is shaped around black culture. It's yeah. Shaped around is definitely um the black struggle, the different um inequalities we, we we deal with, and I'm I'm assuming that that was the origination of that. That kind of sparked mm-hmm. the movement into absolutely. like why, you know, you decided to to become who you are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, seeing people struggle, you know, I come from a single parent home. Mom Dukes, you know, was working ridiculous hours to make sure I had whatever I I needed mm-hmm. to do. Um, What I wanted, or at least just to have an opportunity to do so. Um, The first of my family, um, even beyond my grandparents, to go to college um, and receive my degree. Uh, You know, I remember my grandma coming up to watch me walk across the stage um, from a huge university like Michigan State and just to look on her face. And so, um, knowing that there's a, a bit of responsibility that I have of being the first and seeing seeing these opportunities of windows that I had to like make it out and to do something, um, you know, it adds that integrity and that intentionality to my writing. You know, like, I know there are stories of people who um, don't get the platforms, they don't get the channels, um, they don't get to expose their own humanity. And so I have to be a voice for not only myself and what I know, but every single story that's walking this earth. Um, there's textures and there's layers that I'm paying attention to so I can be able to express and share that. Absolutely,
0: how do you transition from you know editorial writing to storytelling? Like those are one's writing about something and one's writing from a purview right? mm-hmm. so where where's that um synthesis?
2: I always preferred uh longer format and more editorial based from like a magazine standpoint. So even when I studied journalism, magazine writing was my focus. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't like being a beat writer. um I didn't like just capturing the news. And then having to go through the editor and, and, and word it a particular way just to get those buzzwords out. Um, and so I always knew long form was more my style. And then um, seeing uh, Deaf Poetry Jam, you know, coming up as a kid, um, seeing a little bit of theater when I got to college, I was like, okay, there's a even cooler but more effective way to communicate these stories. And so let me just begin to soak up as much as I possibly can. And so um, poetry scene, um, the theater world, film, I've always been a movie buff. You know, my mom had... A massive collections uh, of movies back in the day, bootlegs included, um, because mm-hmm. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, you know, the packages with just, you know, the marker writing on them. Right, um, the watch got the hook up too. Listen, mm-hmm. you know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> Bigger mess massive P. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> <Great> uh, <movie>. <laughs> classic. <laughs> it is yeah. a hood classic. It is a right. hood classic. Uh, and so, just having you know that small scale of access mm-hmm. um, to these different formats and disciplines um, just exposed me to being. A able to um, exist in them as a writer. Mm.
0: Tell us a little bit about Someday.
2: Mm. My first piece. So 2015, I'm traveling through Southeast Asia, um, backpacking. Um, My second opportunity to backpack, first one was in Europe. This time I'm going to Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. And while in um, Chang in Thailand. um, Hold tight, real quick. Backpacking. That's just something you like to do, you just like backpack internationally <laughs> traveling is very important to me mm-hmm. um I think you know one of the necessities of human life is to have exposure to other cultures I and other mean, lands, and okay. so just to throw yourself um wherever and just go and figure it out mm-hmm. um and which is much easier now you know in twenty eighteen um than it was say like you know, when our parents were coming up mm-hmm. you know like it's a
1: thing now it's like a
2: millennial thing to yeah. do right now. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you can do it. I like i backpack Europe with like 6G's and it was just like all right when it when it runs out just make sure I got enough to get fl- to fly back home. True. Sure. And then I got back home. So, um but I'm gonna try that on next for my next trick. Yo, listen. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it. Listen. Yeah. Listen. You you have to. Because um, mm-hmm. it's a it's a once in a lifetime experience. I've been fortunate enough to do it twice but while in Thailand, oh, um Sandra Bland was murdered, um, or her mm. death happened, and also nah, Sam DeBeaux. Yeah. And so and seeing that through the digital space. So I'm here I am in a completely, you know, whole or the half of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm fighting for Wi Fi, trying to pick it up wherever I can get it. And the moment I get Wi Fi, I hop on Instagram and it's just like, boom, black death, boom, black death. And so now I'm like, trying to hurry and figure out like what happened and put context to these little um, capsules of the mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. And it just really hit me in a different way because I was just f- so far away. And then of course life existed as it normally would there because they're not connected to what's happening over here. Mm-hmm. So I had to grieve alone um, and without being able to, you know, talk about it and talk it through and get my emotions out. So it mm-hmm. put me in a really like wretched place. Yeah, And then that's, on the flight home, I just remember, like, all these story ideas and the, feeling the necessity and the urgency to tell this story. And so someday was birthed from that. It's crazy. Can I ask you, um, so being in
0: a situation like that, right, where you're a world away and you, you got this news about the family, mm-hmm. essentially, right, but everybody around you, they're, like, really isolated from it, whether it be culture or mm-hmm. just, you know, news wherewithal. How is that um i don't want maybe ignorance is the wrong word but for lack of a better term how does that ignorance feel um indifference to the ignorance here where it's plastered all over the television Mm. you know what i'm saying what's the general like energy and sentiment
2: yeah i mean they had no idea you know because that's not that's not their narrative you know what i mean like it's they were living their lives as they normally would. And so um, there was no cause and effect. Um, there was no bridge for them unless someone had like an intentional desire to like know what was going on with black America at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was no judgment for me to assess or to, to put upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it a, feel the same as like when you're in the States and this thing, Oh no, like... you know, cause you know, you go here and when stuff like that happens, uh, when these tragedies occur, you got to go to work and you got your white colleagues next to you and no Still, one right. says a I thing. Think, they act like Phoenix. it, does, like it like, didn't happen. Like, never happened. Shit this crazy. Like, Mind boggling. You, you're about one word from like Yeah, and you're emotional. I, I, I've been there. Yeah. You know,
1: I've been there at the corporate jobs or whatnot. Yeah. Especially around that time too. Like, it was like death after mm-hmm. death after yep. death. And I'm like, thinking like this toxic, toxic, toxicity that's online right now and on your socials, on your feed, like, you're just going through and you're seeing this and people are not mm. even seeing how that's subconsciously affecting yeah. you. You know what I'm saying? And, um, a lot of times people don't even have that outlet. Like, or people are not even like um, privy to, to, to know about different arts to try to express yourself. Yeah. What, at that point, what does writing or expressing your art or poetry do for you at that point? How does that release some of that pain or, yeah. you know, or attention for yeah. you?
2: The, you know, my writing is my safe space. Um, mm. It allows me to feel it allows me to um, understand what my emotions are um, it allows me to put everything before me um and then find my way through it as opposed to like avoiding it or running away from it mm-hmm. um so you know i have writing sessions and i'm like breaking down mm-hmm. like crying based on what's being communicated through me um but it's it's necessary but i as a creative and as an artist you have to be tapped into um your inner self like it's it's crucial you can't you can't do this work um, and not be open to um, your own spirit. You know, nothing can be. You can't be moved by external things. Like you mm. have to be moved um, by the thing that you don't quite understand—that is you, that's inside of you. Mm. And your your entire existence is about grappling with that, like just figuring it out, really trying to learn the edges and corners that it that it has. You know, how 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 vast does it open? How deep? does it go? And you have to study yourself. Um, and then of course, byproduct of that is studying other people.
1: All right. I want to talk about culture too, um,
2: in the space like J Cole
1: said, has that line, um, I don't remember the line. So I much. thought you had I it. It's something like uh. i are you know, you know, you know, you know, gonna keep it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, did I let the team down? My bad, my bad, fellas. <laughs> no. When it come, I'm sorry. <laughs> the alley went up. My bad, but I'm gonna say what he what, I, what he what he meant to say. You know, okay. he was talking about. Paraphrase, like, uh, mm-hmm. paraphrase. You know what I mean? Um, like, there's no leaders. There's no leaders in the space. Um, Something like all they do is, uh, you know, um, riddle or, or or dribble, right? Like, mm. there's no, there's no real leaders in the space, especially when these when these things happen. Um, not even to say there's no real re- leaders in the space is like they transition in a sense. Like there's there's less Malcolms, mm. you know, there's less uh, um, Martins, people who can really um, carry that burden for our people and be our voice and whatnot. Um, have you ever considered, especially as a creative and actually being and having your art um, be focused on this narrative and, and being a representative, because you are a leader, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about like, you know, I need to step up in these times for brothers like me, little guys, little little, little guys that look like me that need a voice that need to have some type of, um, you know, release. Have you ever considered that and like stepping up to that to that position?
2: Yeah, I think that's. Um, I think that challenge always presents itself to me because I'm always considering if i'm doing enough yeah. um, you know i do understand that i'm i'm blessed because i i have a i have more liberty mm-hmm. as an artist and as a creative than um, most people mm-hmm. you know especially when you live within the the machine of a 9 to 5 or you you putting on the corporate suit right, right, um right. it's like how often are you genuinely yourself yeah. and odds are That's a fact. you know yeah. minimal right um and so I'm always wondering if if I should be doing more from this place of I guess you can call it privilege right mm-hmm. um, interesting it and privilege. it's and I know I'm you know committed in a very um audacious way creatively, but there are things that that creativity has to also bridge over to the community mm. um, which is how I got into philanthropy um, and community work um, you know I lead a campaign called the People's Campaign, which is really just me. Sharing the community work that I do, mm-hmm. um, and youth development, um, child poverty—these are things that you know I have personally taken on mm-hmm. as um, causes that I want to fight for. And so, oftentimes, I'm visiting schools mm-hmm. and like giving um, community supplies, school supplies giving Man. out backpacks, like spending time with students, because that's just so important to me. Um, and then hopefully that by sharing that um, and bringing other people on to get that experience, hopefully that um, does its job and does its service to help bring in more people and to inspire more people to just, to just participate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we get it confused between like problem solving and participating, where the, mm. when you approach any injustice from a problem solving standpoint, your face, your, your, I'm not gonna use that analogy, but you're You're creating a larger wall that you're not prepared to scale. Because most people, it's like you see something, you're like, oh, I wanna do something about that. And then when you decide that you wanna do something about it, change requires like three steps, information, ideas, and then action. Most of mm-hmm. us won't put in the time to go through each of those stages. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we can't participate, which just says, do whatever it is that you can right now. And then that's enough. So if you see somebody say, we walk out of here and there's a homeless brother or sister on the street, problem solving says, I have to figure out how to help him get a home. Participating to to contribute to change says, here man, here's 20 bucks. I know that I can get you into a shelter tonight if you're able If you're able to. Or have you eaten today? Let me at least go get a meal in this restaurant that won't serve you, but I can at least do that part. Mm-hmm. And then now you've participated and you've contributed to someone else's deeper service of gaining information thinking through ideas and then now creating change and so you have to be able to separate and just know where do you fit like which lane which lane is yours and so now i'm in this part this participating lane hopefully maybe meeting the other minds that are in the problem solving lane and if i can contribute because i'm gaining more experience then that's that's a great conversation to, to keep us moving forward that's far though
0: let me um i want to ask being a writer and, and writing in the coming from a space of, you know, community development and writing from the space of community angst, how do you choose what tone to deliver in your writing? Cause when you're writing from our specific place, like mm-hmm. I was enraged this morning, just, you know, watching, um, I saw that they reopened Emmett Till's case mm. and I was just like, It was like literally the next year the dudes came out and was like, yeah, we killed him. But, you know, there's no double jeopardy. Like, why y'all leave an opening? I feel like, Mm. you know what I'm saying? So there's just so many, so much emotion. And how do you choose what voice and tone to focus on in your
2: art? Whatever the story requires, you know. Um, If I'm writing, if it's poetry. So I'm a, a person who writes. I have to create a sonic culture. And so music is always playing when I write. Mm. And then I allow only space for, of course, so certain songs that speak to that mood or that emotion. Mm. Um, and then I'll loop those joints on repeat. So I'm pretty much creating mm. scores in my writing process. Mm. And so I'll listen to the same 15 songs until this piece is complete. And I'm cool with that. When I had roommates, horrible. <laughs> it was like, bruh, <laughs> sorry, can you please change the song? Uh, but now, of course, I'm blessed and fortunate to have my own space. like... I just, and loud, like fill the room. So now my neighbors may complain, but I don't care. Right. Um, Cause I, that's how I need it. But, and whatever the character, if it's a play, whatever the characters require, you know, it's, I, you, I keep myself out of the way mm-hmm. as best as possible. I'm an open vessel. And so whether it's, you know, a 40 year old sister from the South side of Chicago, whether there's a young brother who's only 18 from bedside, it's just like, I'm writing, as them and I'm just a vessel communicating that story. And so if they're, if it's emotional, if it requires a bit of drama, if it requires a bit of um, sadness, if it requires pain, if it requires joy, the characters in the story will tell me. Did, are you
0: are you kind of like an emotional slave to your work? Like, do you experience melancholy where you have to like write about things that aren't happy? Or like, do you experience like super
2: joy or like, what Yeah, is that for you? I go to range, you know? Uh, I I go to range. It can be a bit much, you know, um, the the late and great James Baldwin, one of my Mount Rushmore's, he um, always, always spoke about um, as a writer, you have to separate yourself Mm -hmm. because just being alive in general, having relationships across the board requires a bit of dependency. Mm -hmm. And so people are always pulling and tugging at you for something. And which is a part of the reason why he chose to, you know, get away um, and, you know, Leave the states often to write and to tell the stories because mm-hmm. he just needed that alone time. So mm-hmm. I'll lock myself, you know, in my in my cave as I call it, and I'll create. But of course, I still got to live. I still got to go outside, go for a walk, like <laughs> like move my feet. Don't get caught get up. Part. Right. Um, but it's 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 important to um, give yourself the space to complete the story. Um, and oftentimes, most of my stories are always alive. Like even someday, like this, I can still add pieces to that. And so it's done, but it's not necessarily complete. Mm. Um, and so if I hear something uh, that speaks to that specific piece, I can always go back and like, add on to it.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask some questions too before I um, shift gears. Um, how do you feel about, you know, um, I think Jay is doing a documentary on Emmett Till. Um, you know, um, there's a Trayvon Martin coming, come, documentary coming out and whatnot. Mm. And then even sometimes with these, you know, certain movies that... Really show the injustices done to Black people. Do you ever feel like it gets to the point that maybe we should slow down on telling these type of stories and just start focusing on um, the positive narrative of the Black experience, just so we mm-hmm. can like have that separation and and that the fact that showing that we're involving. Do you ever feel like this content is maybe bringing us back to a dark place that can potentially get like mentally
2: toxic? That's a good question. Good ass question. Trim. Yeah. I Red- do this. Redemption for the verse. I think this is a clapping moment. Doc, you're not clapping, bro. I saw you. You're not clapping. <laughs> it's, working. <laughs> it's working. Um, man, that's a good question because I don't think we should ever pump the brakes on our experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then it also shows you the the heavy state um, that just by being citizens of this country um, how it has warped our experience here of just mm-hmm. how we live our lives. Like there's, there's so much pain in our story, mm. you know? Um, and yet we've always met that with such jubilation, you know, such perseverance, so mm. much endurance, the long suffering, you know? Um, and so I'm not, I don't think the quantity is too much. Mm-hmm. I think it just speaks to the, the very unique life experience that we have. Um, and i'm glad that those stories are being shown i just hope that you know all my I, my hope is that you know the right people outside of our community are not only watching them but also like paying attention to what what they're seeing and and hopefully that impacts them some way mm-hmm. um breaks that you know that that comfort um that they that they have mm, i dig that Speaking of comfort, you know one thing
0: that um, Americans are known to rest in comfort with is our love of guns, the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And um, you have a a, a new um, performance coming up, yeah. coping mechanism, um, that addresses that. Could you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah. Uh, so coping mechanism. Uh, we'll be showing. So I have two new plays um, that'll be at the Wild Project Theater um, starting July 25th. And then we're gonna do a surprise uh, preview of a third piece. Um, So copy Mechanism, Make or Break, and then the surprise preview piece is The Negro Odyssey. Um, Copy Mechanism (laughs) is about, um, I wrote it last year for um, a theater submission. Uh, They were doing a series of shorts so it started out just like a 15 minute piece. Mm-hmm. And the prompt was, you had the write around was, what is a ritual? Um, a ritual being in a, a sequence of events in a specific order, um, typically done in tradition, typically done due, due, due to spirituality or some type of breakthrough or change. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, well, what if the, the ritual, the order of steps caused some type of pain? And so the story is centered around a mother, a single mother, who instructs her son to do um, a specific um, order of steps mm. to protect him. That actually ends up putting him in the vulnerable space, and he ends up being killed due to gun violence by being at the wrong space at the wrong time. Wow! And then, as the creator of the of that ritual, those specific steps, what then happens to her when she blames herself because because of her instruction that he followed? He's now dead. Um, wow. And so then it's, it's a piece about grief. And then when everything happened, well, when the gun violence conversation reemerged and the gun shooting conversation emerged in the debate, it was like, what is the, what is the grieving process for someone um, that's a very private matter? when the public conversation, the public discourse is about that very thing. Mm-hmm. And so can you imagine how many triggers that person has to deal with? Because once they turn on the television, you got somebody talking about pro-gun, you got someone talking about anti-gun, you got somebody talking about, you know, um, you know, shootings for mass shootings, gang shootings—all these conversations. That's not
0: even the entertainment,
2: part. right? And that's just just anything you get on. You get on the subway, and you got to maybe hear somebody's, you know, speech or their rant. Um, and so all these voices that she's hearing and dealing with, and so it's about this two-year process um, in her grief. So it's a very heavy piece um, that I think is really. It was crazy to write um, and crazy just being it it requires a lot for the actor um, because it's just the mother is unhinged um, completely all over the place trying to piece it together. Um, And it's and it ended up being relative in the time. Which mothers
0: had you um,
2: borrowed from? Unfortunately, there are way too many. uh, Um, Yeah, just just watching, you know watching the, the interviews, um, watching the all the different correspondence, um, speeches the whole nine, like whatever I could consume to kind of to make sure I was in the right vein, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um so of course uh Tremont Martin's mother has been like, you know, very um accessible in her process. Um it was the um what's this Jordan Davis? his parents Mm -hmm. and i saw and i saw his parents at a an event um and i watched this documentary and one of the the images in that documentary that that really tore me up was you know he used to his son would always like listen to music in his room and so and he didn't understand the music that he listened to and so there's an image in that where he's like has his son he's at his son's like computer or something he has his his headphones on and he's listening to the songs and he's trying to like connect to his son um post-death And I'm just like, can you imagine, you know, that's a part of that healing process. There are people who have lost someone wow. where they hold on to a past, you know, thing that they had mm-hmm. just to keep that person, keep that spirit, keep that relationship intact. Mm-hmm. But they're not there. Like, you have to now take that on. Um, it's just, it's so burdensome. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's real. Is that, is that something that we could liken to our experiences culturally? over the diaspora like trying to hold on to something mm-hmm. that we have
2: absolutely absolutely our traditions that that have you know flexed and and bent and transformed to sustain themselves um you know from dance everything involving rhythm which rhythm is energy which is creativity and so um everything everything black has has stood the test of time um because of our story mm. um because of what we've been required to 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 work our way through um it's changed and it's you know transformed in different ways but yeah oh gosh yeah I wanted to um, um
1: shift gears a little bit and talk about um the fact that you you've have um, um accomplished being an entrepreneur in this space um, through your art which is probably like the goal of everybody in new york city <laughs> that's, that's what, we, that's what we come here for yeah. you know what i mean yeah. to secure the bag doing what yeah. we love to do and it always gets especially um challenging especially if you're an artist and if you're an artist about some real shit yeah because right? it's like um we hear a lot of artists that talk about a lot of bullshit and um you know they could get million dollar deals or they're getting streaming it's something about the you know the consciousness of of um of our community at times, um, doesn't really, uh, um connect to what's real, um which is unfortunate um how can artists, especially artists with a purpose who find their purpose in their in their writing or their music, how can they find ways to to make money to monetize you know their art their brand to you know expand as a whole, especially being in this you know competitive landscape, which is new york city
2: yeah um you gotta you have to know what your voice is um and then i I think knowledge of self allows you to at least slow down the the comparisons Mm. because there's so many of us here like i can we can walk outside right now and i'm sure we can bump into like a good 15 writers Mm -hmm. Um, I got a few
1: bars
2: (laughs) (laughs) ready always ready Um, so it's like knowledge of self and and knowing why it is that you do what you do and I think all those things kind of help determine what you find as what you define success as Mm -hmm. Um, and then you begin to seek things out specifically that relate to you. So you won't take on opportunities or you won't see certain spaces as an opportunity if it's if it's not designed for you, if it don't look like you. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, we end up compromising um, here just because we want a, a platform or we want a space. It's like, no, stay true to who you are, stay true to you know your specific message. Mm-hmm. Um, and then knowing what New York has taught me is that there's a lot of what you see and the, the vision that you have will then produce um, other lanes for you to get, get gain experiences in. Like I've done modeling randomly, but people are just like, yo, you should try being in front of a camera. Like, I know you're a writer, and it's just like, all right, sure, but like, what do you want me to do? Well, are we're doing this campaign on like, you know, disruptors or whatever, and this is like, okay, that sounds like my speed, okay, I can do that. Mm. Or like, you know, I, was, I did a, a show with iHeartRadio where I was a re- recurring guest, um, because people are just like, you know, you have a lot to say, you know, we like your look. And I'm just like, all right, so that's just going to feed my mainstay, you know, yeah. that's, that's going to feed, you know, my main, so all right, I can do that. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of, I mean, every industry is here. And so if you're a writer, but you know, you have a good voice, like consider voiceovers, like mm-hmm. take some classes, um, consider like the many like options that you have. Um, but you'll never find me saying I'm, a, I'm an actor. Like I no, like I know my limits, you know, like I'll never mm. be like, oh, let me now get in front of camera. No, because now I'm wasting time mm. Mm. and I'm still in somebody else's spot. And I think, I do mm. think there are a lot of people in the wrong spots just because they have access to them. Interesting. Mm. It's just like, that ain't for you. Like, don't do that. Right. That's not yours. And you know, it's not yours. You know, it's not yours. And I see that all the time. It's just like, this is not for you. Um, just because you got a, a plug, you got a homie, you worked for a company for a certain particular time and they can set that up. Give that to the the next woman or man, you know, Mm. who you know deserves it. Mm. You know, who's putting in the work, who you're a fan of, who you're probably borrowing from. Like, take a step back, you know, and and have what's for you. There goes my bar. uh,
1: (laughs) There goes my rapping career. It's (laughs) called Driven Mind. You're supposed to to be driven. I'm MC to see such Such and such. It's quiet (laughs) 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 now. They ripped my cuts.
0: All right. So, um, Let's switch gear on a on a lighter note. Um, you know who or what what films or or writers or playwrights have you um checked out that you that have inspired you through the
2: years? Uh, so starting from the you know the the first inspiration, Spike Lee, Mo Better Blues is my favorite movie of all time. What? Um, I think it's a perfect portrayal of I
1: love manhood and musicianship. Mo Better Blues. Thank you. Like.
0: I love that movie. I haven't seen Classic. it yet. Okay.
1: Oh, hold tight, hold tight, hold tight.
0: No, we are not
2: going to make this. Movie. I wasn't. I wasn't going to deal with it. So y- y'all you haven't closer. seen more better. We talk blues? about this after. All right. It Damn. took me a while to see Belly. That's but more. wow, that's crazy too. Yeah, Bruh, you got anything? Else? Oh, you, I gotta watch more better. I don't even know why I it brought it up. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? That's fine. No, that's a.
1: <laughs> I learned some things from Denzel in that movie. Bruh. Like, you know what I mean? How to move.
2: Like. Listen. So, We're gonna talk about that later. Bro. Yeah, we might. And a man finding his identity is, is the through line of that piece. <sighs> you know? Um What? I can't say anymore because I really want you to, to see it. Absolutely. And then when you see it, we'll have a we'll continue the conversation because so there's a lot there's a lot to dive in on. Like, no oh, doubt, drinks on trav. Yep, <laughs> that, that works. That works for me. <laughs> I'll carry the conversation. You you carry the bill. All good. Um. So yeah. So Spike, uh Moved Blue the Blues is first, of course. Denzel Washington. Um. Uh, just because he is the goat. Just saw him on, on the Broadway stage for the first oh, time. Ice Man coming. Oh man, I would love to uh, see Denzel Broadway. Yo, that would be crazy. Phenomenal, phenomenal. phenomenal. And wow. the joint was like. Three and a half hours, or maybe four hours. It was a, a long play. Dang! Um, Intermission, three of them. Yeah, you, oh, oh, you had to. You had to. You know, them old folks on Broadway, they be, they gotta use the bathroom. Yeah, so it was like, can we nervous? like, how much more? Uh, but James Baldwin, uh, of course, Maya Angelou, um, who really, of course, opened my eyes Love to just Maya. being a pure artist. Yeah. You know, and that is. What I strive for, um, the direction that she laid. because her humanity was bare. You know, she would always speak to this po- quote of "I am a hum- human being; nothing human is inalienable to me," mm. um, and that is as pure as you can get. You know, with living this this thing called life. Mm-hmm. Um, Toni Morrison, um, George C. Wolfe, really phenomenal um, playwright and director. Um, June Jordan. Um I'm trying to think from an actor standpoint, who else? Um Got it. Meryl Streep, she is really the GOAT. Oh my god. Because she can do anything. Meryl Streep, Susan Sarandon. Like they they can do anything. Um Still Magnolias is, you know, one of my classics. Still Magnolias is gully. Yeah. Right, so I haven't seen that. That's so fine. whatever you do, don't watch Not the lifetime scene. version <laughs> with Queen Latifah and uh the rest <clears throat> of the crew. So to put it in perspective. The same character, you know who Susan Sarandon is. Um, I need a picture. Okay. The same. She still um, kind
0: of. She still got it too. A little what? Way, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Queen
2: Latifah played the same character as her. Oh no, I'm sorry. And I'm bugging. That's mm-hmm. wrong. I knew I was bugging. I'm sorry. I just messed up your whole podcast because I'm lying on this. <laughs> not Susan Sarandon. What's her name? Oh, she looked kind of crazy. This is Susan
0: Sarandon. Mm-mm. Oh, not Susan course.
2: Sarandon. Sally Fields. I get my bad. It's the S. Sally Fields, okay. who her, okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Queen Latifah tried to play the same character that she played, and no diss to Queen Latifah, but that's just not your range. They didn't measure up. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. So yeah, and then and he wasn't feeling Khadijah. <laughs> no. Only man. as Khadijah. Uh, <laughs> no, living single should have been on for like twenty years, just but to that, say that. That's a fact. They need to um, Netflix holler back. Come on, Netflix. Where you at? Somebody, don't let Hulu do it. Because yeah. if, if Hulu does it, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna be done right. Um, I'm trying to think. What else? That's like that's the core. That's really strong. Um, Ali, um, just from a person standpoint. Indeed, one of my um, heroes. Tupac, of course. Um, that's my goat. Um, Andre Three Stacks, following him. No doubt. Um, yeah, I'll stop there. What about uh, Bob Marley? Bob's in there. You know, when the music hits you, you feel no pain, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely.
1: There you go. That's fire.
2: Uh, About that time? There you go. So we
1: asked everybody that's on Driven Minds podcast. Um, We just asked everybody that's on Driven Minds podcast. I just said that two seconds ago. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, what drives you? What keeps you going? Um, What's that thing that wakes you up in the morning to um, dig deep, focus in on your art, um, bring it to the world? What is that thing that keeps you going?
2: If we don't do it, no one else will. So mm. the culture, you know, our vast culture has been marginalized, smashed down into, you know, grains. And mm. yet we like pick those grains back up and tell these beautiful stories. So like if we don't do it, nobody else will. Mm. So it's yeah, it's my it's my mandate. Mm to be a voice for our people. Dope. Sorry, brother. Yeah.
0: No doubt, man. This Where can great. we find you on the uh, socials? And please, by all means, plug your upcoming shows. Um, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: Instagram, officially, Cy. Um, Officially, Cy. Uh Cyrus Aaron, you can type that in, of course, it'll come up. Um, July 25th is the start of Make or Break, July 25th, 26th, and 27th at the Wild Project Theater. Um, that's my Shakespearean piece. It's all poetry and prose, and it's about dating in New York.
1: Mm. We got to pull up.
2: Coping nice. Mechanism is the 30th of 31st and 1st that following week. Um, and of course, i talked about that piece. And then we'll be previewing the Negro Odyssey on some of those nights. So you got to pop up and be, make sure you're there at the right night. Um, the Negro Odyssey is, of course, a take from Homer's Odyssey. Um, and it's about the black family experience. Mm. So I'll flip that whole narrative on his head and take it from the black family experience perspective. Dope. Dang. So are the sirens in like blue flame? And so the <laughs> sirens are there and the sirens are um, sangin and so you're gonna come get some sangin no doubt uh, there you go. if you catch them. Yeah
0: there you go. Thanks. Nice. Well, it was wonderful speaking to you. looking forward to uh, joining you on your Odyssey. As a writer here in New York City, I was clean. Yeah. <laughs> <a> transition, God. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, like we always say at it, this time, stay driven. Stay driven.